This morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew 4, 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, On the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
And he said to them, Follow me, I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. It was one of the foggiest nights I can remember. We don't get fog quite like that much these days, but when I was growing up in the Central Valley, there were some nights that we had really thick, dense, pea soup-like fog. And this was one of those nights. Our band had played for a dance at the officers' club at Castle Air Force Base near Atwater. I had told my parents I would be home by 1 a.m., But once we packed all the equipment and loaded up the cars to head home, the only thing that was clear was I was going to be late. I pulled off the road where I saw the fuzzy outline of a familiar color scheme. It was the shell station where I had stopped to get gas on the way down. I remembered seeing a payphone there. Now, for those of you who are too young to remember or are old enough to have forgotten, we used to have these. (laughs) Public pay telephones. They had a slot in the front where you could drop in coins. You could dial a number and be connected for three minutes. If your conversation went longer than the allotted time, you would be reminded to add more coins. Well, I pulled the car up to the phone and left the motor running so that the heater could continue to warm my friends who were riding with me. I picked up the receiver and I dialed O. Operator, yes, thank you, operator. I'd like to make a collect call. Okay, now, another artifact of a bygone era. Before everyone carried their own mobile phone around with them, these payphones were just that. In order to have a conversation, you would put money into the slot. But there was a loophole. You could call collect. And the charges were reversed so that they became the responsibility of the callee rather than the caller. The operator, you all know about operators, right? (laughs) Once I'd informed the operator I wanted to make a collect call, she asked, what number are you calling from? 
Usually there was a plate down on the lower front of the phone that had the address and the phone number, but there was none. Said, I'm sorry, operator, the little thing is gone. I'm calling from a payphone. The operator asked, What number are you calling? It's in Oakdale, 8471391. Your name? Mark. Mike? No, Mark, M A R K. Thank you, the exasperated operator said. As she dialed the number, I thought again what a brilliant idea this was. My friends had shared it with me. Whenever I was going to be late, but everything was okay, I'd call home collect, and my parents would refuse the charges. That way the signal got through. I was fine, but I was going to be late. And it was on the phone company's tab. It didn't cost a thing. But I had a feeling the operator was getting suspicious. When a direct call home was 10 cents and an operator-assisted collect call was a half dollar, she probably thought something was fishy. Or maybe she was just miffed that I spilled my name out for her. The phone rang twice before it was answered. That probably meant my dad was asleep. Uh Uh-oh. My mom never went to sleep until all three of her kids were safely tucked into bed, so I knew I wasn't going to wake her up. But she slept on the opposite side of the bed from where the phone was, so she would have to get out of bed and walk around to answer. Hello, I heard my mother's voice. I have a collect call, the operator said, from Mike. Mark, I said. (laughs) Will you accept, the exasperated operator asked. Yes, operator, my mom answered. She always did that. I waited until the operator would hang up. Mom, I'm okay, I assured her. I explained about the fog and told her I'd probably be about a half hour late. She thanked me for calling. I thanked her for accepting the collect call, even though she hadn't followed the system. Whenever I hear the stories of Jesus calling the disciples, I think about calling collect. I don't know if you can even make a collect call anymore. Today, the phone rings, you say hello or some pleasant greeting, the other person says hello, and off you go. If you have ever answered the phone and had an operator say, I have a collect call, will you accept? Please raise your hand. Okay, I'm among friends. Whenever that would happen, each party had to make some kind of commitment to the other before conversation could begin. One party had to place the call. The other party had to accept. When Jesus walked 
along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He made a commitment to Peter and Andrew, James and John, and to the others to whom he would extend the call to become his disciple. They made the commitment to follow. They accepted the call. How much different is it today? Not really that different at all. We do have a significant advantage over those four fishermen and the others in Jesus' original band. Unlike them, we have an idea of what accepting Jesus' call is likely to mean in our lives, where it's likely to lead us. We are familiar enough with their stories to know that accepting the call to be a disciple, what that call meant to them. And we probably have a far less sketchy idea than they must have had about what it's likely to mean to us. You know, Jesus still calls. He calls to those outside the community of the church, away from the gatherings of those who have already said yes to his invitation to be a disciple. And just like then, beside the sea with the screeching of seagulls in the background and the smell of fish heavy in the air, Jesus calls them to become part of the community of his disciples. Here's an important question for us all to remember. How do we welcome and include those whom he has called into our midst? Those who might find their way here. How do we make them feel a part of the community? Jesus still calls. Even to those who have already answered, because few of us, having accepted the invitation, do so without ever turning back or losing our way along the path from time to time. Try to imagine Jesus entering your workplace and calling to you, come, follow me. Visualize him walking into your office, your home, your classroom, where you're busy grading papers or talking on the phone, reading, digging in the garden, picking up after the grandkids, or just resting after an exhausting morning. How does he call you? Do you accept? And if your answer is yes, where will following Jesus lead you? Matthew tells us that Peter and Andrew, James and John, left everything behind to follow him. 
they could not possibly have known what lay in store for them. But still, they accepted Jesus' call. Jesus still calls. He calls because though the first twelve set an admirable standard for response, immediately leaving their nets and their boats and their families, they left much undone. Jesus is still calling. Even you and me. Even in this very moment. Will you accept? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call us to be part of the family of the church. That you call us to love and serve one another. We know that you continue to call us to deeper commitment, to greater service, to more perfect love. Some of us have heard your call so many times, we recognize your voice instantly. For others of us, it's only after reflection, looking back and on an opportunity accepted, that we realize that call came from you. Give us grace to accept your call each and every time and to respond with such commitment that like your first disciples, our faith will grow deeper and stronger than we may ever have imagined possible. Hear our prayer in your name. Amen. How many of you were born in a month between January and December? (laughs) Excellent. We're about to celebrate our birthdays in whatever month they might be with a potluck As Rebecca reminded us, Pastor Dave used to say, even if you didn't bring a pot, you're in luck. So we're glad that you're here. You're all welcome to join us. Would you join me in a moment of prayer, please? God, we thank you for the gift that our birthdays are. We thank you for your gift of life and your continued gifts of love and laughter and joy. Bless the food that we are to receive, whether it's here together or elsewhere. And may it strengthen us to serve you, to show your love, both to reflect it in our lives and to share it with others. All we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are called to follow Jesus. As we accept the call, God binds our differences together into a deeper and a stronger unity. So let us go forth with the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to share the love and the light of Christ. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day, and may God bless you.